the biggest learning that I had from that experience, you know, that first time doing Agile, is it, just go, get started. You'll learn, you'll adjust, you know, take small steps, look at the results, you know, adapt, iterate. Don't wait till you think you know it all and, and you're perfectly ready, you know, waiting for that perfect project, you know, to go Agile. You'll never get there. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Ask a room full of IT professionals to define agile, and you're likely to get as many different answers as people in the room. Ask that same group if they practice Agile at their organization, and you're likely to hear something like, well, we do some kind of Agile, but we're learning every day. On the surface, Agile may sound easy, but Agile transformation is hard work. Today's guest has led successful Agile transformations in a variety of organizations. As the Vice President of IT Strategy and Operational Excellence at CNO Financial Group, Patrick Bogan is leading an agile transformation at enterprise scale. We're going to talk about this journey and how they have overcome some pretty significant obstacles along the way. Welcome to Status Go, Patrick. Thanks, Jeff. Super excited to be here and talk agile. Looking forward to it. You know, I am too, because uh, I don't know if you know this, but you are probably the one that first introduced me to the concept of Agile. Really? Uh, okay. Back when you and I first met and uh, and some of the projects that you were working on that time. And, and I think through a mutual friend of ours, Aaron Copel, that was my introduction. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving in. Okay. Sounds good. Before we get there, before we start talking Agile specifically, I'd love to hear about your career journey uh, and how you ended up getting involved in Agile to begin with. Sure. Uh, maybe before I, I share some of my background on how I got there, maybe maybe a quick level set on what Agile is, or at least in the context of this Oh, that's a great idea. Today. Yeah, we should start at the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Agile, you know, Agile is just it's a way of thinking, a way of doing things, a way to deliver value faster. You know, it, it grew out of software development, uh, but it really can apply to anything. You know, there, there's there's agile frameworks and tools out there that, you know, everybody has heard of Scrum and Kanban and Safe and Jira and all these cool tools. I mean, those are, those are things, you know, that you use to do agile. Uh, and then there's an agile mindset. You know, that's about, you know, experimentation and close collaboration with your customer and short iterations and getting fast feedback and, and embracing change, really. And, and that's more about being agile than doing mm. agile. And we're going to touch on both today, uh, but most of what we'll talk about is, is that agile mindset, being agile. So just a, just a level set on agile there. Uh, some of my background, Purdue graduate. Started out as a COBOL programmer for Alcoa. Oh, yay, COBOL. Yeah, uh, in Newburgh, Indiana, many years ago. Uh, it wasn't too long before I got into project management, evolved into bigger program management, and spent a lot of years doing consulting, delivering big stuff. Uh, I was first exposed to agile thinking uh, quite a few years ago when I was doing consulting as a program manager uh, at one of my clients. You know, We started experimenting with, with more frequent, iterative delivery. 
And, and we got to the point where we were delivering something every month. Uh, you know, and of course, you know, we started getting feedback every month as well and, and really started changing how we planned and how we delivered and how, how we did things and, and didn't know it at the time, but looking back at it, uh, you know, that, that was an agile mindset. You know, we were mm -hmm. being agile there and, and delivering more frequently. Um, but first real agile transformation that I was involved in started back in 2012, uh, which is 10 years ago now. I was uh, CIO for Fusion Analytics, you know, a small long-term care insurance company. And we had built some, you know, I thought pretty cool analytics tools we were using to run the business, you know, better understand business performance, you know, predict what was going to happen next, you know, some business intelligence tools. It was really all about uh, driving better decision making, really. And, and we had this idea, this big idea. You know, we thought um, if we needed these tools and they helped us run our insurance company, we thought, well, other long term care insurance companies might benefit from these analytics tools as well. So let's turn them into products. You know, let's sell them. Oh. That, that was our big idea. And, and we spent about a year trying to do that kind of on the side, if you will, productize you know, what we had built. And uh, didn't see the progress we'd hoped. And, and this is this is back in the early days of of SaaS multi-tenant solutions. You know, so right. it wasn't as clear as it is today to how how to go about stuff like that. But we had some vision. You know, we had some ideas. We just weren't really sure how to do it, how, how to build this product. And you know, we weren't we weren't really focused the way we should have been. You know, we were kind of working part time on the side on this product. I mean, we were an insurance company. Yeah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to do that on the side. Yeah, hard to yeah. do that. Priorities were a challenge and there were other issues, but I mean, we built some stuff, but we just didn't have, you know, real results that we were hoping for. So, you know, realized you know, we got to do something different or, or stop, you know, stop doing this. There was a guy on my team, uh, William Long, he brought up Agile and, you know, we started researching and, and talking to some people, looking into it and some things got my attention you know, that, that Agile talked about, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, delivering more frequently, which, you know, I had recalled from my earlier experiences I just mentioned and yeah. you know, a different way of, of collaborating directly with your customers on, on what you're building. And, and, uh, and it was a way to figure out what we were going to do as we went, because we didn't really know the, the full roadmap and the plan. And, and this gave us a way to reprioritize as, as needed. Yeah. You know, it's not a bad thing to, to reprioritize, honestly. And, and so it was a way to accommodate change. It was actually built in and, and thought, there might be something here. It's worth, it's worth a try to pursue this this agile thing. So I put together a proposal uh, for my boss, uh, the CEO, and you know, let's experiment and try this out. And we, we called it a 120-day uh, full court press. You know, I'm a basketball guy. So full yeah. court press was our was our uh, slogan of what this was. And we said, let's go all in for a few months and, and measure success. You know, we kind of talked about it as like kind of startup mode. Yeah, you know, we, we, we dedicated a team. We moved them all into one room, including me. We actually moved to another building, you know, to kind of separate the, the day to day from the building of something new. Uh, and we hired some agile expertise and we got some training. We, we, we all studied the, the agile manifesto and the scrum guide and mm -hmm. which only take about 10 minutes to read. Honestly, there's not <laughs> much there, but, but talking about it and studying it and, and trying to incorporate it in, that's some work. Uh, yeah. and, and we said, let's go, let's do it. Let's see if we can get some different outcomes during this 120 day experiment. And, and we did, we, we started, we started learning and doing uh, some of the basics of agile much of which are still foundational in, in what I do today. You know, mm -hmm. it, 
we started by you know making the work visible. We had a we had a a wall in in the room and we just kind of turned it into this giant kanban board the whole wall lots of blue painters tape on there and you know kind of separating the backlog and the ready and the doing and the done mm-hmm. columns and we had hundreds of sticky notes you know all over this wall just visualizing the work really starts to give a lot of insight of, of what's happening yeah we declared somebody the product owner uh, it was me actually at first you know they they start prioritizing the work you know based on the highest value we started breaking down the work into smaller pieces so we could put something in front of our stakeholders and show it to them and get some feedback and, and then do it again. And we started doing these two week sprints and started getting regular feedback from our stakeholders and our customers. And it wasn't perfect at all. It was quite clunky really at first, um, but things started changing. Our, our stakeholders rather started getting excited. Uh, we're building stuff they cared about and wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this 120 day full court press, it was successful. We, we decided to keep going. And, uh, you know, a year later, you know, this is a small company, but we had a handful of scrum teams. We had other departments that started getting involved, you know, finance and HR. They had these big Kanban whiteboards that they put out in the open, you know, being transparent about what they were working on. And and we found some customers that, that loved the tools we, we built. So we made some sales and had a positive impact on, on some customers. So it was a great first journey. Yeah. Uh, that and so you were doing that in 2012. Yes. When when did when did Agile first come on the scene? I don't remember. I should know that, and I don't. It's about 20 years ago now. Um, okay. I think, okay. I think we're we're passing the 21st anniversary of the of the Agile Manifesto right now. Uh, so it was about 20 years ago. It was wow. a group of people that got together and said. There's a better way. Yeah, better, better way of doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there had to be some bumps in the road. I can't imagine the process was all that smooth uh, to to bring that in. So what were some of the what were some of the bumps? Yeah, it it definitely didn't go perfect. It wasn't smooth. There were there were a lot of learnings throughout. Uh, you know, still learning today, as you mentioned in the opening. You know, Agile's about learning that continuous learning improvement mindset. It's truly foundational to what Agile's about. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you about one bump, one big bump. You know, right at the beginning of this this 120-day full court press, uh, right after we started, you know, my boss, uh, the CEO, had agreed to this experiment, and we got invited to a speaker's dinner the night before a conference. It was an Agile Indie conference. Uh, oh, the yeah. coach we had hired to help us, he was speaking at the conference the next day, and he invited me and my boss to this dinner. And, uh, you know, we're at a round table, a typical dinner round table, eight to 10 people. And turns out we had one of the, the signatories of the Agile Manifesto at our table. Oh, wow. He, That's cool. He was the, yeah, he was the keynote speaker the next day in the conference. I really had no idea who he was, but it, you know, kind of seemed important. And, and my boss started asking some questions, got some discussion going, and, and he got what he felt were some inadequate answers and maybe a <laughs> questionable tone. Uh, you know, he, he asked, you know, like, well, in Agile, how do you know the end date? You know, the delivery date, you know, when something's going to be done. And, and this guy basically responded, um, why do you want to waste time having somebody estimate the done date? It's never right anyway, is it? Uh, you know, <laughs> and the conversation moved on, uh, you know, a, a short time later, though, my, my boss actually walked out before the dinner. Uh, and the next day, he told me it was a cult. 
Um, oh, but wow. He, but he let me keep going with the experiment. So. Yeah. Well, that shows a lot about the, the trust that he had in you, right? That if he if he felt that yeah. strongly about it and still let you continue, uh, yeah. he had to see some element of truth to what he'd heard, maybe a little bit. Yes. Uh, but it's more about how he trusted you as uh, the leader of bringing this into the organization. That's right. Yes. So, when you think about that early experience, what's what are, what are the key learnings? What are the biggest things that you learned in that first that first go round? Yeah, Jeff, I think the the biggest learning that I had from that experience, you know, that first time doing agile back at Fusion, is it, just go, get started. You'll learn, you'll adjust. That's what I tell anybody now. You know, take small steps, look at the results, you know, adapt, iterate. Um, don't don't wait till you think you know it all and and you're mm-hmm. perfectly ready. You know, waiting for that perfect project, you know, to go agile, you'll never get there. So just give it a try. Run an experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you have some some leaders or teams right now in your organizations that are that are asking, hey, can we try try agile? Please let them. You yeah. know, give them an opportunity to experiment and try. And, you know, and, and if you're serious, you know, the other thing I learned early on and I, and I continue to believe today, hire some expertise. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I got lucky, honestly, in, in the vein of not knowing what you're doing and just going, uh, you know, as we started, I, I actually created a, a new role and I posted it publicly for hire. I, I called it an agile project manager. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, I still have a copy of that. It reads just like a project manager job description with a bunch of agile words mixed in. Uh, and there's really no such thing, uh, but that's okay. Uh, an agile, an actual agile coach saw that posting, reached out to me. You mentioned him earlier, Aaron. Yep, Copeland, Aaron, yep. brilliant. And I still, I still remember that first meeting with Aaron uh, at a Panera, where he asked me a lot of questions about what we're trying to accomplish and why and what impediments we were seeing. And he started teaching me some of the basics. Mm-hmm. And we ended up hiring him to help us, and he still helps me today. You know, he's 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 one of the best out there. Yeah. So getting expert help, um, I think it's really critical. Make yeah. the investment. It's not cheap. I, I, t- I tell you that right now. Agile coaches. Good ones are expensive and they are in demand. It is hard to get them, but you yeah. will go faster. Well, and as you say, they're they're not teaching you necessarily a process. They're teaching you a mindset. That's right. Um, and, and that requires um, a lot of skill. And what I've started to see is roles in organization now called agile coach. Absolutely. That's right. We, we actually have them at CNO. We have an oh, do you really? okay. job title called Agile Coach and took us some time to get there. You know, mm-hmm. why and what and, you know, what is this role? But we have that role now. And of course, the hard part, you know, when you when you hire Agile coaches, whether, you know, contractors or, or employees, you actually have to start listening to what they suggest. And, yeah. and that's not always <laughs> easy. That's the hard part, really, because as you said, it's it's not just, you know, here's the five steps, do these things. It's a mind mindset. It's a shift in how we've done things our whole careers. Uh, so it's yeah. hard. It's a hard yeah. transition. Yeah, it's a it's a lot different than uh, than the waterfall days when you're coding COBOL, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, let's let's talk agile at CNO Financial Group. Uh, what was it like when you arrived on that on the scene there at CNO? 
Yeah, well, so after Fusion, you know, I made a couple other stops, you know, helping helping companies shift towards Agile. And I joined CNO back in 2018 uh, as a consultant at first. Uh, mm -hmm. It was right at the beginning of, of a large uh, operations workflow modernization effort. You know, it's insurance company operations, you know, replacing some of the aging custom platforms they had, you know, bringing in something modern. Pega is, is the platform that we are bringing in. Great platform. You know, we are re-engineering re a lot of the operational procedures, introducing uh, automation, bringing RPA and bots and stuff in. It's this, you know, giant multi-year effort, millions of dollars. And, and there was this strong desire by leadership and everyone involved really to get it done faster or, uh, or maybe a better way to say it. Um, I want to get some return sooner, get some value yeah. for the investment. Yeah. You know, this, this whole initiative, this, you know, workflow modernization I'm, I'm talking about, it's really about in this case, improving the end customer experience, the, the policyholder mm -hmm. in our case, you know, serving them even better than, than we have been. And, and, you know, CNO had already decided when I got there that this was the opportunity to go all in with Agile, you know, like, like a lot of companies, um, they had done small experiments over the years with Agile, some scrum teams working here or there, they saw some value out of it, uh, but they recognized this was it. This was the big opportunity. And uh, I was lucky enough to be right at the beginning of that effort. That's awesome. Um, but we're, we're talking about a incredibly large financial organization. And we've, we've all heard the analogy, it's really hard to turn a big ship. How do you take something like that and, and have it become agile? So wh where'd you start? That's a great question. There were a lot of, th a lot of things we focused on those first few months. You know, what are we going to do first? You know, where do we start, as you said? Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of starts with some how. You know, how are we going to go about this? You know, what's our initial approach? We're going to launch some scrum teams. We had to consider the fact that we had offshore developers and how that would work. We had to think about, you know, who's going to be the scrum masters. You know, we don't have scrum masters in the company at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, who are the product owners going to be? Uh, you know, should be from the business, not IT. Right. Right. You know, and is the business ready to for, for this, these product owners? And, and what does scrum really mean to us? You know, how are we going to operate? So there's a lot of, a lot of discussion and debate around the how. Uh, and then, and then it starts with prioritizing the work, the what, you know, where do yeah, we start? Yeah. You know, it's this big multi-year thing. Well, where do we start? What's going to provide the most value initially? And, and uh, we started to establish that, that product owner authority, if you will, the pro product owner's job is to, to maximize the value of what the team is building, prioritize the right stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, we had some agile experts in helping us as well, figuring out prioritization, including, of course, Aaron again. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. been my coach from the beginning. Uh, and, and then, you know, that's you know the the how and the what. But then they got to have some clarity on the why. Why why, why are we doing this? You know, it's a big change. This agile yeah. thing. You know, what are we what are we trying to accomplish? What what problems are we trying to solve here? Are we trying to go faster? Are we are we striving for better quality? Or are are we just wanting to experiment more? got to figure that out. You know, how will we know if we're successful? You got to have some mm -hmm. metrics and things to, to, to arrive towards, you know, cause you know, everybody knows people focus on what you measure. Yeah. So let's yeah. measure the right things to see if this is helping, you know, in this, in this concept of, of knowing why and, and measuring your, your outcome. And this applies if you're, if you're just a manager thinking about starting your first scrum experiment or, or if you're leading, you know, if you're a leader going all in, 
on, on and scaling big and agile, you got to know what you're trying to accomplish and why and how you're going to measure success. Uh, and, we, and we got some great results those first few months after I started at CNO. I think we launched uh, three official scrum teams at the beginning. Awesome. And they actually delivered some brand new functionality that was used in production in about 90 days. Uh, and, and it grew from there. We launched some other experiments on you know how teams operate, you know, gave them a lot of freedom to try different things. And we were constantly refining and learning the best way for teams to operate and deliver value. And at its peak, we had over 20 scrum teams on that initiative, that first one we started wow. with. Uh, we even had an agile coach based in India because that's where many of our yeah, folks were. Sure. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And it did, and we successfully completed. You know, we delivered the value that was originally envisioned faster than we thought it could be done. Okay. Now you've used the word faster several times. Is agile all about just speed going faster? It, uh, you know, Jeff, it, it can seem that way. I mean, that's a reasonable expectation to have because it will feel like you're going faster, but what's really happening, you know, by making sure we're focused on the highest value work and probably stopping some of the low value work yeah, you know, and giving that and giving that high value work to high performing agile teams that that deliver with predictability and quality you know because they've been together as a team for a while and they've demonstrated what they can produce we will get real value faster but it, agile isn't really about going faster it's about focusing on delivering the right stuff faster uh, you know we had a we had a program uh, that we launched uh, a couple years ago all agile went into it up front saying we're going to do this all agile it was another one of our experiments you know the business had an idea about a new product and we had a couple of brainstorming sessions you know what could this be and then and we gave it to an agile team 90 days later the product was launched in the market and we started getting feedback from real customers i mean that, that's fast yeah you know, when you think yeah. about how we used to do things you know you're lucky to have requirements signed off in 90 days <laughs> let alone you know a product launched in the market that's but, right you know that, that only happens if you've created an environment where high performing teams can thrive yeah so as we're talking about this, a question comes to mind, and this is kind of off track, maybe just a little bit, but um, you've mentioned you had teams in India, you're a large organization. So I imagine not everybody works in Indianapolis. How do you do agile with distributed teams? Because in my mind, you know, I picture agile, everybody's all gathered around the Kanban board and, and you're sitting, you know, elbow to elbow working. How do you do it in this distributed environment? It's a great question, Jeff, because one of the foundational principles of, of Agile is face-to-face -face communication, mm -hmm. right? That, I mean, that, that's foundational to, to um, some of the benefits we see with Agile. So how do we deal with that when we're distributed? You know, it, it's, it feels obvious now, but a couple of years ago, it wasn't quite as obvious, the use of video. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, and, and obviously we use it extensively like everybody does. And, and I think the, the, the way we've landed that works best is, you know, you know, if, if possible, and this was more possible pre pandemic, you know, have people in a room at a location on one video stream together. So you might have, mm -hmm. you know, five people in a room on video and then yeah. five people in another room in another location on video. So you get a little bit of the in-person for some folks yeah. um, and then using that video uh, for the for the ultimate connection. Of course, now with everybody remote, 
it's just yeah. all video and, and and that's that's critical to it and you know we we get some pushback at times about being on video but mm -hmm. it sure makes a difference being able to see people face to face like it Apple does says, it really does uh, to be able to read that body language yeah even on this podcast we use a we use a platform called Zencaster and for the first couple of seasons maybe the first 3 seasons that we were doing this podcast it was audio only and just in the last several months, they added a video component. Now, our listeners listening to a podcast can't see the video, but I think it makes for a richer conversation for between sure. uh, you and I because we can see each other and we can, yes. you know, we're, we're seeing the head nods and the smiles and the grins yeah. and, uh, and, and it just makes it richer. So while we're on the concept of, of teams, um, you, you've, you've used the phrase high performing teams. Um, what is that and how do you create it? You know, the team is foundational really to all of this working. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, 20 scrum teams earlier or a hundred scrum teams, whatever you have, you know, the team itself is really foundational to this all working. You want high, if you want high performing teams that can deliver a predictability that you can count on, uh, that will deliver more value really towards your objectives than you, than you thought they could, then, you know, got to set them up for success. And, and there are success patterns, you know, that, that work that, that others have done. Uh, and there's things as leaders that, that we have to do to, to create an environment for high performing teams. You can, you can read a lot of stuff out there about high performing teams and how teams should act. And that's all important. Uh, but as leaders, you know, there's several things that I found that, that Agile's taught me that I can do uh, or, or influence as a leader to help teams become more high performing. And the first is around, you know, creating permanent teams, standing teams that are dedicated, you know, put a team together, assign them to a, a function or a solution and keep them in place permanently. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's different than what we've typically done in the past. You know, we, when we focus on projects, you know, we fund a new team to focus on some initiative. And right. then when they're done and hopefully they achieve the goal, we break up the team and everybody moves on to the next thing. Instead, keep the team permanent. And, and, and the value of that has been proven over and over again in Agile. Let them get to know each other, uh, learn each other's strengths and weaknesses, and learn together and improve. And, and they will become a predictable, high-performing team. So permanent, standing, dedicated teams, I think, is critical. Uh, of course, mm -hmm. funding, funding is different when we talk about permanent teams that has to be figured out. Yeah. Uh, but I think that makes a huge difference. And then, you know, the teams have to be cross-functional, meaning they, they have to have all the skills they need on the team to do the work. If they have to go somewhere else to get help, mm -hmm. it takes time, it slows yeah. them down. And this is all about speed to decisions, you know, high performing, you know, making decisions fast. And, and there are trade-offs uh, that are built into how you set up your teams. So you have to be intentional about it. If your team needs to engage, um, you know, enterprise architecture to review something once a month, you, you probably don't need a full-time architect on the team. Yeah. But if they have to engage the EA team continuously, then, then maybe the team will be faster and higher performing if an architect was assigned on that team full-time. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe 50% on that team. You got to find that balance and it's, it's speed mm -hmm. the decisions, right? So permanent standing teams, cross-functional teams. And, th and then the last thing I think that, that leaders have to do, and this is really number one, uh, tell them what you want. 
build the thing, <laughs> repeat it over and over, and then get out of their way. Yeah. You know, yeah. let the team decide how to do the work, how to operate together. They know best. You know, give them a scrum master, a servant leader, uh, someone with that servant leader mindset to guide them. Uh, and, and as a leader, us, you know, give them the room to experiment, to try new things, you know, and innovation will happen if you let it. Uh, yeah. But it has to be okay to fail. You know, everybody says that it has to be uh -huh. okay to fail. But how, as a leader, how you react to any right. failure will let them know if it's okay or not to actually yeah. fail. Um, you know, this high, this high performing team stuff, Jeff, it's really about shifting teams from a project orientation to a product orientation rather than a, a project team that forms and disbands when done, as we were just mentioning, a, a product team owns everything about that product or function. You know, you could say claims in our case, insurance, yeah, yeah. the claims function, put a team on that or teams on that, depending on how big it is and let them own everything from ideation to new development, to maintenance, to problems on Saturday night, let them own it all for that function. Yeah. That's how you build high-performing teams. We're, we're doing a lot of that at, at CNO now, these permanent standing teams that, that become predictable and, and it will feel fast you know, yeah. when you have performing teams. Well, and that difference between project and product, I've found with corporate IT. So uh, our listeners are a mix of, of those that are corporate IT uh, working for some organization whose main product or service is not software or hardware, right? But we also have we also have listeners that are in the tech sector building those those things. I think for our corporate IT listeners, this concept of product is is difficult to wrap your mind around. Yes. Uh, because it, it's almost like you become a product team for delivering products to the market. Only the market is your internal uh, colleagues at your organization. And and that's I right. think that's a for at least for me, that was a that was a tough one to wrap my head around. So let's talk about gaining buy-in for a, for a minute. Mm, yes, we've all heard stories about less uh, experiment and then the struggles and trying to get buy-in for this agile transformation, because uh, sometimes executives see uh, see huge dollar signs. So how did you go about getting buy-in for some of these things? Yeah, you know, buy-in is obviously uh, critical, and it, and it depends on where you are in your journey. Um, you know, but but start small, run small experiments, learn from them, give your team some space to to innovate. You know, and most most of us, most leaders, we can we can fit in some small experiments somewhere here and there, and, and try it out and, and see if it's helping. But it, but as you grow and expand your agile trans transformation. There's going to be a variety of stakeholders along the way that you have to convince at some level uh, mm -hmm. about what you're doing. It's some are easier than others. And and hopefully you've already done a lot of the work to build great relationships throughout the organization. Uh, makes it a lot easier when you're talking about a, a change like this. Um, you know, and it's obviously it's always really about delivering value that matters to any leader or executive. Yeah. You know, what, what outcomes are we producing? What, what's in it for them? You know, every situation is different, but, you know, if Agile isn't making things better in some way, it doesn't matter. You, know, it, it, you have to understand what matters to the company or the department or your boss. You know, what are the objectives? What's keeping us from getting there? And, and ideally, 
you know, our agile experiments are solving their problems, achieving their goals, put together a hypothesis, run an experiment, see if you can get better results. Um, small experiment with one scrum team or something larger like we did at CNO with Pega. Then yeah. go measure the results and, and see, see what you learn. Uh, and you will learn some stuff as well, aside from the value you may deliver. And that's really important, that continuous learning we talked about. And, and you learn about your teams and how they think and what motivates them and what's in their way and what holds yeah. them back. And, you know, just start that continuous learning cycle. And, you know, any, any time, you know, we're introducing change, which is what this is all about, you know, right. you're seeking buy-in, whether it's this weekend's release or, you know, launching an agile transformation, it's about what's in it for them. Yeah. We're yeah. all humans, right? And our natural response to change is what's it mean to me, you know, and, and answering that question correctly for each of your stakeholders, that's key to getting buy-in. And, and for some folks on the teams, it's, you know, at the beginning, it's going to be, are you changing my responsibilities? Are, are you going to give me training? Uh, or, you're, you know, if, if, if you're a developer, you're like, well, I'm not going to have to test, am I? You know, there's <laughs> these questions up front that, you know, people want to know. And then yeah, there's, yeah. for other people, it's more about, um, well, when's my project going to be done? How do right. I report project status? How much is this costing us? Is it costing yes. us more than the way we used to do things? And, and, and then there's another level of stakeholders that they want to know, are we advancing towards our goals faster? Yeah. Are we improving the customer experience? You know, has quality improved? So understanding your, your stakeholders' needs and goals and objectives and helping them solve that faster, and measuring it as you go, that, that's how we get continuous buy-in. Well, one of the things about Agile that has just fascinated me over the last several years, you mentioned this uh, at the outset, it really began in the, the realm of software development. Uh, and then it spread to more and more of the traditional I, IT functions, including things like DevOps and, and all those different varieties and roles that you see within this. But what I've started to see is other parts of the organization start to adopt Agile, uh, Agile marketing. You know, you can Google it and see all this stuff on Agile marketing. Uh, I think you mentioned finance with a Kanban board. And was that part of the original goal or how did that happen? How, did, how does it spread beyond development and IT? That's a great question. I, you know, and I don't think it was the original goal, honestly. Um, you know, Agile started as, you know, we think there's better ways to develop software. I mean, that, that's really the, the original problem they started with. But, but what happened is, you know, people started seeing the success that was happening with this new way of building solutions together. And, and they wanted to be part of it. Like, well, how can I apply some of that same thinking to what, what I'm doing? And, and, and it does typically start in IT. You know, people start seeing the success. They want to be part of it. They want to learn or try it out. And they can. You don't have to be building software. You know, as as we've talked about, agile is a, is a mindset. We can apply it to anything we're doing: finance, or legal, or HR, or marketing, or or anything. You know, there's mm -hmm. there's some basic steps that that anyone can take. You know, make the work visible, be transparent, prioritize based on highest value, break it down into small pieces so you can get feedback faster. Deliver it, assess the results, evaluate that what was done, learn from it, adjust, embrace the change that comes with it, and then iterate again. Yeah. 
Yeah. Embrace and, the change. Embrace the change. And change is yeah. actually good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Requirements change. Priorities change. That means we are getting better clarity on what we are trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So just expect changes and accommodate it. It's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and some of the stuff we're talking about here, the basics of Agile outside of IT, it's nothing that didn't even mention software or IT. Right. It's right. nothing right. about Scrum or any other Agile. For, it's, a, it's a mindset. It's about being Agile. Uh, so not getting caught up in doing Agile, following some yeah. process or framework, but changing how you think. And you can apply that to anything, really. I love that. Being Agile versus doing Agile. Yes. So Patrick, paint us a picture. Uh, where Where is this going at CNO? What's What's next? What's What's on the horizon for you guys? Well, you know, a, a lot of it starts with scaling, uh, you know, and growing. Sca- scaling is where it gets fun, uh, I think. You know, it's it's fairly easy to see some value from a few Scrum teams, but I mean, because there's proven ways to do it. You can go read the Scrum Guide, hire a coach, and you can get started next week. But how do you get to dozens of Scrum teams or hundreds of Scrum teams? And we haven't gotten to hundreds yet, but dozens, yeah. Yes, and, and there, there are several very successful frameworks out there for scaling agile, big, in an enterprise. Again, you can hire some expertise and go follow one of them. Proven success patterns. Again, you know, we're, we're following the, the scaled agile framework safe at CNO, and I think mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just right for us right now. It's working perfect for us. But, you know, but when scaling, there's, there's things you know, that I've learned as, as, we've, as we've been scaling. Again, what leaders can do to help support and accelerate the scaling of an agile transformation because this is when it's getting big right and it's getting impactful and and leadership has to be on board that buy-in so there's things that we have to do as leaders to help make this thing happen and and that we're we're working on every day at cno Mm -hmm. you know let people experiment and try on their own i mean you you have to have an official path for agile teams to launch and and you should you know we do uh, but if other teams want to go on their own because they're interested and excited they want to try out and experiment let them they may not go through the official training they may not be using jira right but they're going to learn a lot mm-hmm. and the momentum is going to start growing and you'll figure out how to fold them in and make them official at some point but give them some freedom And as soon as you can, and this is something we are working on right now too, start connecting the outcomes from your agile transformation to the actual department or company goals or objectives, Mm -hmm. you know, because remember, that's all that leadership really cares about. Are we moving closer to the, to the goals? They, uh, they don't really care about agile. It's interesting that you have 27 agile teams and you've trained 350 (laughs) people and you're measuring velocity and backlog health and all those other agile metrics. Mm-hmm. But one thing people hear me say a lot is all this agile stuff does not matter if we are not making progress against our strategic objectives. Right. And right. you will struggle to scale if you don't achieve things that, that matter to leadership. Um, you know, last thing I'll say that leaders uh, can do to really uh, affect the, the uh, scaling and the transformation happening in an organization, get engaged. Get involved. Be part of the transformation. There's so many things for leaders to do that are critical. And I see I see too many leaders sit back and watch. Hey, there's that agile transformation thing going on over there. Yeah. You know, we touched on it earlier, but the leader's primary job, clarity of vision. Where yeah. are we going? Why are we going? And it's not once and done, of course, constantly promoting that vision, building excitement, repeating it. Most important job of a leader. 
it's how people understand that their work matters. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's some other things, you know, leaders, leaders are the ones that have the power sometimes to clear impediments. You know, so you got to check in with your teams every day. What's in their way? Again, it goes to that mm -hmm. speed to decision making. Leaders are the ones that can change policies or structures or old ways of doing things. You know, you might need to uh, influence the release process. You know, as the team start embracing continuous delivery, you might yeah. need to work with HR and new job titles like scrum masters <laughs> or agile coaches. Right? You might need to advocate for an increase in training because we got to help everybody understand what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and then celebrating success as well. And that's in the leader's control. You are a cheerleader. Show yeah. up at the agile ceremonies your teams are suggesting. Praise the team when they deliver some amazing stuff. You know, reward experimentation. Recognize when people are adopting this mindset we're trying to, to strive towards. Even, even celebrate, you know, when they fail fast. Yeah. Because we because yeah. we learned something because that, that just ignites mom, uh, momentum, you know, when when we celebrate. Um, so we're on that scaling journey at CNO, all these things I just talk about continuing to to build and mature that that agile delivery machine mm -hmm. in IT. And then working this year, we're working on how do we get great at identifying and prioritizing and funding, and governing all the right work to feed. Yeah to that agile delivery machine you know and, and as i said then also shifting that that agile success story to a business success story because yeah. um, this you know agility is is uh is really about the ability to adapt and respond to change mm -hmm. so when we think about applying that to an entire organization you know, i call that enterprise agility right. uh, which is the ability for an organization to adapt and shift and react when things change with speed and that's the key with speed there's that word again right how fast yep. how nimble yeah. are we as yeah. an organization does policy get in our way or you know how well do we you know do cross-department collaboration or negotiation how fast are we able to recognize that you know a hypothesis didn't prove what we hoped mm -hmm. and let's shift that funding and energy elsewhere you know how fast can we make those pivot or, or persevere decisions you know and that that concept of enterprise agility Great example of that, that all companies had to exercise about two years ago now, right? When suddenly <laughs> yes. everybody had to shift to work from home. Some you know, people IT did it better than others. Yes, <laughs> IT departments and HR departments and cybersecurity departments and legal departments, they all got together and they had to collaborate and adjust and shift with speed to keep mm -hmm. the business going. Yeah. Right? That's enterprise agility. You know, and everybody was able to pivot to different degrees at different companies, but I know at CNO we had we had several thousand people around the globe shift home. You know, many of them with yeah. new devices that we just built from some spare machines, and we got them <laughs> we got them operational in like under nine days. Yeah, it was an amazing demonstration of of enterprise agility, and that's what we strive for in all our decision making as an organization. You know, the structures and processes and people can they adapt and shift and speed with speed yeah. as necessary. That that's enterprise agility. I love that, Patrick. And, you know, we're coming up on time for our conversation today. And as we've talked about, and, and I know that you've listened to Status Go uh, in the past. So uh, I always love to end with a very strong call to action, a very explicit call to action. What are one or two things that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? Yeah, I think the thing that I, I would say to, to our listeners and to anybody really, 
commit to a true experiment. Go all in and give it a try. Find somebody to help you if you need. You know, introduce the agile mindset into your work, into your team. See if it improves your outcomes in some way. See, see what you learn about your team and the work that you do. Uh, you'll probably learn something that you did not anticipate, and, and I bet you'll be better for it. That's awesome. That That is a, a great recommendation and a great place to start. Experiment and learn. Yes. Patrick, I got to thank you. This has been, this has been awesome. Uh, I really appreciate you carving out the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much. And we need to have you back on and go even deeper the next time. Love it, Jeff. Appreciate it. It's been uh, a lot of fun. Enjoy the conversation. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Patrick Bogan. Thank you so very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.